1: And just like that, 2015 is over. The North Queensland Cowboys are the NRL premiers. Uh, We've predicted that at the start of the season as well as the minor premiership and a whole swag of other things. So pretty good year for us on the podcast, Brock.
2: Yeah, we've had a couple of good years, so good to see that our predictions are coming true.
1: Very, very good. Uh, A massive fairy tale for the Cowboys especially Jonathan Thurston. Definitely didn't have his best game. Quite surprised, to be honest, that he got the Clive Churchill medal. People argue on there. There wasn't many other standouts. But uh, if you go back and watch that game, I think there was a few other blokes that probably deserved it more. But before we get too far into that, we have the grand final review, obviously, for the whole day there. So we'll kick things off with your mob, the Penny Panthers, 34-18 over Manly. The best team during the year, the minor premiers now the premiers.
2: Yeah, well... Uh, it was probably to be expected. Um, we were the best side of the year. Uh, but, you know, we, we didn't have Nathan Cleary. I know we didn't have Nathan Cleary the week before. Um, he didn't get back until Friday uh, from Australian Schoolboys. So we did have our disruptions. We lost a lot of players during the year. Um, and, you know, we beat Manly three times during the year. Um, so they, they had a fourth crack at us. But um, it was probably because the Cowboys fell over the week before. But. They also had their issues with players out, but um, I think that's something they've obviously got to look at because it's ridiculous to schedule something that could potentially um, affect a preliminary final and a grand final. Um, In this case, um, it did, but pretty shattered for Nathan that he he didn't get to play um, in the grand final. But I I guess a good thing for us is we had our presentation last night and we've got, I think, upwards of around 75% of that mob uh, or that... Group of players that are eligible for NYC again next year, so only 12. Well, 12 of the 17 that played are eligible to go around again. So I don't know. I don't think they will. Obviously, a lot will go up to the South Wales Cup. But um, look, from Manly's perspective, I, I, I thought they tried hard, um, and they probably played better than they had in the three previous games, which is a, a good sign. And, um, but they just probably didn't have the class across the field that we did.
1: Yeah, you're right there, and I think I had a look yesterday. Um, it was about 12 blokes, like you said, that were eligible. There was five or six others that will been moving up, like Brent Naden, Felino, Moses, Corey Harawira, etc. and there was a lot of... Yeah, well, I think, I,
2: I don't know this for sure, but I think anyone that is of age 20s next year that played in that side of the one...
1: Yeah, will so move if, up to if play if in anyone New South South Wales.
2: last year, you'd think they're going to move up and play a large chunk, or at least start... Um, potentially a New South Wales Cup, or they'll they'll go up at some stage to give
1: them a sniff. Well, it was basically put up on the website that all those boys are moving up as well as injured players, so Sam Elwin, Joshua J, Stanton Albert, Sioni Katoa, and then there was kids that were injured that were eligible next year, such as Dylan Fuad, Braden Burns, uh, Shane Keel, Corey Woodell, Christian Crichton, Nathan Cleary, etc. Yeah, a lot of those boys were
2: still eligible. They just weren't selected, so... Yeah, very good base. We've got a very strong squad, so... um, yeah, things look bright for for next year, but I'm just glad we cashed in. You, you know, you never know when you're going to be able to uh, win a grand final, and you can't sort of rely on the fact that they're all going to be going around next year because um, you know there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then. So I'm glad we banked our opportunity. and I think we deserved it. Uh, so yeah. you don't always get what you deserve. In this case, we did. So
1: well, first a good rewards for the players. First half, looking at this one, it was pretty much that left edge, which was. Uh, the Achilles' heel all day for Manly—they attacked the young halfback Travers and obviously Addison Demetrio, member of the team of the year. He moved out to the centres from the front row. Uh, didn't have his best day defending there, and obviously the back row, William Bainbridge—they've got big wraps on him. He's only 17, but um, yeah, Tyron May had the show and go. Sony Luke early on, same deal—the show and go—and then the early ball to Jennings, and he pretty much just burned Demetrio, showing the difference. And um, kind of got the feeling, to be honest, it, it was no—it's not a shot at your boys, or not a shot at Manly—that. They could have probably put it away a little bit earlier if they wanted to. There was a few errors that crept in, but um, full credit to me. Yeah, at half
2: time, I didn't think was a reflection of the dominance we had in the first half.
1: No, nah, I thought um, the young Luke Garner, and the Manly back...
2: sort of went with us for the first 15 minutes in the second half as well, so...
1: Yeah, but the back...
2: Um, there was a period there where the game was very close and in the balance.
1: Yeah, the back row, Luke Garner, I thought he had a good game, along with Treboy, which obviously, but the one I was pretty impressed with Um, after not getting to see a whole lot this year, was the half. Will Pearsall, in particular, his kicking game, I thought he was outstanding. Um, Some of the short kicks were really good. And early in that second half, he put in a cracker for a 40-20. And then later on again, he put in some nice kicks. But that second half, like you said, 16-12, they had an opportunity early on with Trebojevic that was shut down uh, as the winger was knocked back into touch just before he passed it in. And after that, you lost Jennings. um, And then Jerome Luyer, I think he... Unlucky. Even though I thought Sony looked was very good. I thought he was very unlucky not to get me out of the match. He had an outstanding game. Yeah, well,
2: he's um, he came through with me at um, are lucky. he came up from HD Ball, um, and then I was sort of, sort of dealing a little bit with him and Nathan Cleary. Um, they both came through, and it was pretty clear, pretty quickly. Like I think they spent three or four weeks there, and then they were straight into the NYC and they, they didn't come back. So, Jerome's uh, an easy kid. I've had a lot to do with I had a first year I had with Jerome was, I think it was 2011, um, in Harold Matthews. So, uh, he's come a very, very long way. And I thought, yeah, you're splitting hairs between him and Sony, but I thought that they were the best two on the field by far.
1: Yeah. Well, Sony did a lot of little things, but I just, in particular, I thought the second half, uh, Luau, obviously, I said he danced and opened up that left side for the try for Fellino. Um, you know he saved one and obviously in the 60th minute he danced around again like Fred Astaire or a duck on a hot plate and found his way through again but he he definitely had a massive game Uh, I thought obviously Moses someone that we played against and had you probably had a little bit to do with coming through it was good to see him back to the way he was a couple of years ago had massive raps on him I thought he fell off uh, the the limelight a little bit but looking at him he looks like somebody who's definitely going to move on and hopefully play a higher level of football no he was uh, his pre-season
2: was phenomenal um yeah, like he won our Player of the Year last night. So to win, a, win the Player of the Year award in that side um, speaks volumes of the, the preseason season he had and the season he had.
1: Yeah, well, it was a very good win. I uh, thought him in particular, like we said, Luau, Luke, Leota, I thought Corey Harawira had a very good game. And uh, Tyron May, obviously, a bloke there, who's played a, a hell of a lot of positions, does get a lot of credit, but a very good side. And uh, to all the Manly people out there, keep your heads up. You've got a good crop. Pearsall, I think he's a really good half. Um, Jesse Raymond, underrated, but defensively in the under 20s as a centre. Very good player. The big front rower, Knight, he's quite impressive. There's a couple of blokes there that have definitely got some potential, and uh, that's something they've worked on and fixed over the last couple of years, man. And they're doing a lot better in the junior grades than what they have previously. So 34 I think um, yeah, coach Their coach got
2: the punt,
1: too. David Heath. He got the punt for Chad
2: Randall, so.
1: Wow, that's pretty ruthless, seeing he's done...
2: Disappointing, f- yeah. Disappointing. I think mean, he's been there three years and he's done a...
1: Well, Wooden Spoon, 10th, so. and then the grand final this year when they probably weren't expected to make it. And he knocked off one and two. Well, not one and two. He knocked off, to, obviously, two massive contenders on the way to the grand final after you guys beat in week one. So, a bit yeah. of a harsh result for David Heath there. But, yeah, massive year next year for Penner. If they've still got about 19 eligible, um, a very young side this year, and things are only going to get better. For them in the Holden Cup, uh, moving on to the state championship, you got the Jets versus the Newcastle Knights. Big wraps on the Jets. I didn't think they had their best day, but they still got the job done twenty six to twelve over Newcastle, um, and they lived up to exactly what we wanted to see. They're a unique football side, to say the least. Yeah, well, I, I
2: said it last year. I think I think the Queensland Cup is streaks ahead of the uh, New South Wales Cup because I've got a firm belief that the Queensland Cup's pretty even. Um, like it's a tough competition week in, week out, whereas the, the form in the New South Wales Cup just fluctuates from team to team. Like you always seem to find a team that comes from that bottom four that at least makes the grand final and um, a lot of the time wins it. Um, well, it was great to see Ipswich get through and it was great to see him win um, because that sort of that style of ugly got showcased on our biggest day, um, obviously on free to wear because, you know, the Queensland Cup's only replayed on Fox Sports, so I, I don't really know how many people actually watch the replay um, I know I, I try and watch the replay every now and then but I don't get to watch as much of the Queensland Cup as what I would like but um, uh, they're, they're a great advertisement for rugby league and um, I think they thoroughly deserve their win I think Newcastle did fantastically well to win the competition but yeah. I know we said last week that we both thought that Ipswich would uh, would get them and would trouble them um, so yeah not not surprised on this result uh, it, it was a Creepy game
1: of 42. And It's even more credit again to the Jets, who are the lowest funded team in the Queensland Cup. They've got some blokes from the local kind of air in their team. Their feeder supposedly is the Broncos, but the only contractor player on the whole side is Matty Parcell. So uh, it speaks even more volume that the way they've been coached, the style they play, um, the way the players play for each other and that team to come up here, not only win their own comp against the Blackhawks, who had about fifteen guys that were contracted or former NRL players as well as all the other ones linked to the Titans and other clubs, etc. But to come up here and play Newcastle, again, we're filled with blokes that are full-time athletes, not working jobs playing football and, uh, you know, stand up on on such a big day. I think it's a massive advertisement, again, not only for the style of play, but rugby league and all the values that are ingrained in it from back in the day, not the wrestle and all these other bits and pieces. They're just as I don't buy so much into that
2: stuff. I thought the week before in the grand final they did wrestle a little bit and they did. Um, play a little bit negative at times when they had to. So, you know, this notion that they're so far removed and so far different to everyone else is a bit of a fallacy, I think. But I think for, you know, the most part, they try and be different and they try and chance their hand and they've got a different mentality. But I think, you know, to say that they're so much different to every other side is a little bit of an exaggeration, I think,
1: after watching them the last two weeks in a row. I think the attack, you can definitely say, is different. And obviously, the kick restarts. Defensively, at times, if they're on the back foot, they do slow a ruck down. But uh, I, I thought all around, um, they definitely were uh, much different unique. But in that one, Parcel, he's been outstanding for them. He started things off in the second minute. That was his seventh try in four finals games, which is uh, quite a phenomenal record. And the Knights, they tried to uh, hold a bit of a line, not shoot out there and let the Jets come to them. Because, obviously, uh, it seems to be... It's almost like a, a bit of a system within itself that it all kind of operates off the number nine in parcel. They love to go to short sides and then shift back and see if they can draw somebody out of the line or link up and, and look for holes. But, um, yeah, he he looked like the fat controller, if you look at it from that perspective, more so than the halves. But, um, yeah, Newcastle did a pretty good job at times, but just a hell of a side. Uh, was, I was really impressed, but... The Newcastle push, Mamo almost got Ken Toffolo in, he dropped the ball over the line Vela Carpa had a try saver and then that McConaughey who unfortunately has been uh, dragged to the mud a little bit the last few days, he obviously the, the bloke who King hit Mamo Denny Green had some words to say about it as did a few other Newcastle Knights. I thought he was fairly impressive despite that moment Yeah, it's brain
2: snap it was stupid yeah. um, but Mamo has been bringing this on himself for weeks um, not not to say that he's a King here, yeah, but, you know he's been niggling and doing stupid stuff uh, in scuffles. You could date that back to the Panthers' Knights, last last round game at Penrith when he ended up almost into the cheerleaders. Um, so something he's got to look at and address um, in his game. But uh, yeah, all the players you ran it off were, were good. I thought that passer was the best
1: player on the field by a mile. So yeah, I thought um, um, he's he's going to Manly, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a three-year deal as well, so they obviously have a high opinion of him. But him. That, yeah, I think um, he's going to be very good for Manly. Yeah, McConaughey, they're talking, despite what's happened, there's three clubs looking at him, and I'm not surprised. He was he was brilliant. He was very aggressive, 25-year-old, the concreter. But, um, yeah, the only real look-in I suppose Newcastle got was Georgie Nadira, the old veteran, came on. He, he scored a try and set one up and kind of got him a, a bit of a foot in the door, but it all kind of broke open when Rod Griffin, who had a massive game as well, uh, I think he was with the Sharks last year. He was the... First bloke to get picked up out of that P&G Hunters side for an RL contract. He only got one game, I think, though. Oh, no, sorry, that was I think that was Mark Mexico. I might be mixing them up. But Rod Griffin, he played, I think, basically a full game. He was outstanding as well. But um, just that moment, that, that kind of broke the back, I think, when they offloaded back inside to Barber after Newcastle dropped the ball and he took it to the bank. But, uh, yeah, the second half, it kind of flattened out. A little bit there. Newcastle grabbed a try. It went dead for a little while. We obviously had that incident, and uh, later on, they obviously grabbed a, a, a late try there to put things to bed. After Toffoli, was given one a no try, and uh, yeah, twenty six twelve. That was game over. But Parcell, Griffin, uh, little Pandia, that winger, he was outstanding as well. I can't. I don't know how many uh, carries he had. And Josh Cleland, he, he, there was big raps on him. I'm pretty sure Gaskell mentioned on the air that they've tabled an offer. To get him to Penrith, that was just a matter of uh, letting the grand final pass and hopefully announcing something this week. So he may be there for New South Wales Cup next year. Yeah, good. And uh, on the Newcastle side of things, memo despite uh, you know the silly things, I thought he was pretty solid. Nadira, uh, the one that impressed me was Big Siren, and I thought he had a pretty good game in the grand final. So, um, good. Like I commented that all year, that was a very good effort from them, especially to knock off. One, two, and three on the way through. They beat Mounties. They beat Penrith. Uh, Everyone they beat basically on the way. Obviously, Wying as well was head and shoulders better than them during the year, but they got it done at the right end. So um, good effort by Newcastle, but the the Jets and the Queensland Cup wins the first two years of the state championship. And moving on to the big one, the Cowboys versus the Broncos. What a game of football. 17-16. The Cowboys getting it done in Golden Point. And I don't think I can pick a game that started more frantically and finished more dramatically. Like The start and end of that game was absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it was... The first half was so open and then, you know, the last uh, or the second half was not negative, but it was just a totally um, a change in philosophy from both sides. I mean, Brisbane more so because they tried to just defend the game out um, and probably played a little bit negative. But, um, yeah, well, the end was... Um, incredible I, I know I said to you sitting there that I just thought that it was only a matter of time until the Cowboys got them but, um, and equalised the game but uh, personally I, I tend to agree with Wayne Bennett in the fact that um, I don't like to see it decided on Golden Point but uh, I, I think realistically if that kick goes over the Cowboys win um, it was probably it was probably good that it just ended straight away you know like Ben Hunt made that error and I don't think he's to blame the loss on Ben Hunt but it just ended Golden Point pretty quickly, so uh, we didn't have to see an ugly field goal that we were so used to with Golden Point. But uh, I think... You know, I, I disagree with Wayne Bennett in the fact that he said, you know, I'd be happy yeah. to come back next week. No, I mean, replay, right, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. All, you
0: know? That's the most stupid thing I've ever
1: um,
2: look, heard. I think 10 minutes each way is uh, is how it should be. Um, and then if it's, if it's still even after that, it should go to Golden Point. But, I mean, really... Uh, it's hard. I think for finals we should we should can go on point. I don't even think for Origin you should can go on point. But I think mean if we're going to have it um, in in normal season games, I can handle handle golden point. I, I've always said that I'd I'd like to see teams both get a point, um, and then in golden point they play for the other point. Like whoever wins a golden point game gets two. Whoever loses a golden point game still gets one, but. Um, I'd be happy to go back to a draw, to be honest.
1: But when we're talking. Uh, I just
2: think for the grand final, uh, it should be 10 minutes each way, in my opinion. That's just my
1: opinion. If you want to talk Origin, though, same deal again, i I disagree. Because I, I remember a game three, was it 99 or 2000 we watched, and it was a draw, and that was it. It was such a letdown. No, I'm not
2: saying in Origin. I'm saying in Origin, it should be 10 minutes each way as well. I don't think golden points should decide in Origin.
1: Yeah, well, I'd demand a result. There's no. And again, like imagine next week you come back. I think. Peter Serling stumbled up for me. They played that one against the Dragons back in the day. Said the first one was a cracker. We had the draw, and then the week later it was twenty zip. And then Wayne Bennett coming out and saying that.
2: Logistically, you can't do it. Like, no, logistically, but you you lose. The fast that it was in the AFL three or four years
1: ago. You lose the buzz, and that's what I was about to say. It was the AFL blokes in particular that were absolutely wrapped with the fact that they got a result on the day, and it added to the theatre. That shot for goal, and then the moment afterwards, it's kind of just put the icing on the cake. And on top of that, you bring up a replay. If we do have a replay, per se, hypothetically, Ben Hunt's suspended. He loses next time. So I look at it from that perspective as well and think he's talking about a replay. If you come back next week, Benny Hunt's not playing. That's a massive blow.
2: Yeah, well,
1: Adam, Adam Blair's not playing either. So. Yeah, so again, you look at it from all those perspectives, I, I was very happy with the way things yeah, went look, down. The
2: replay, the replay is outdated in this modern day it's outdated all I'm saying is I just don't think we should decide it on um, golden point I think uh, it should be 10 minutes each way or, or whatever or even 5 minutes each way and then going to golden point like, let, try and let the game be decided by something other than the field goal
1: yeah if you wanted a straight 10 uh, minutes and
2: he's right like Wayne Bennett's totally right golden point's a lottery it is a lottery but I also you know I can see that people and I've heard a lot of different perspectives on this a lot of people have said you know lot um, well, they had their chances to win it in normal time and, and whatever. So I can take all the opinions on board. I just think, you know, the, the most intelligent way to go about it would be to just say five minutes each way or ten minutes each way, normal extra time, and then if we still got a draw, which I don't think you will, um, you then head into Golden Point.
1: I'd just go a straight ten minutes, and then if there's no result by the end of that, then you go to Golden Point instead of... Yeah. the Yeah, I think
2: the straight ten minutes I
1: And you give them two interchanges. They want to do
2: it because they want to have both teams have are to receive the ball. Basically, to make it fair,
1: but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, the frantic. I, don't, I don't
2: like. I don't like going point it's
1: not the first time I've seen that. But. Yeah, well, the frantic start, oh, I was just blown away. The the penalty goal, obviously, iced things, but then off that kick off, that offload to Milford from Blair and getting the ball to Oates to go full field, it was pretty reminiscent of the one we saw against South Sydney, and then straight away the Cowboys struck back. He had Granville. Showing and going from the, the scrum there and sliding through. And, uh, you know, 25th minute, he showed his wares again. Held things up there and hit time closer close to the line to go 12-8. Um, they seem to have a bit of pressure and some sets down there. Get some chances. But then we had that moment, I suppose. JT, was it a drop? Was it a strip? No one's ever going to agree or or come up with things here, but that obviously led to... Well, I, I thought it was a clear,
2: I thought it was
1: a clear strip. Yeah, well, I think there was a couple of interpretations of that rule we mentioned earlier in the year, during the game, where apparently, well, basically, even when you break through a tackle, the next man in is a second defender. There was two other strips. Um, yeah, But if you're going off that interpretation, you should have been penalised, but... That's a strip. They got him, got him to half-time at 14-12, and I suppose the thing that hurt out of that was not only the strip, but the poor defence... Um, that even if it was that way on the back of it, Benny Hennett just absolutely caught wandering there, and Gillette went straight past him. So yeah, exactly. There was no excuse. There was no excuse for him to concede a try. Nah, they missed no, four like, or five well, tackles you can't after the try
2: on, um, on the bad call. Nah, uh, well, it, like, it was stripped in my opinion, but it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't excuse the
1: crap defence. Oh, no, it was horrible. There was four or five missed tackles in the offload, but. Uh, 14, or just
2: 12. the lack of the lack of urgency to dive on the ball or pursue the person who picks it all up. Yeah,
1: you know, like they just sort of stopped. Well, they had a straight a set line, and he dawdle up, and they just hands at him, and he went straight through. So it wasn't like it was broken play. There was a set line and just a very lazy effort. And uh, Gillette, full credit to him, you know, went to the house. He went through or four defenders before he offloaded. But 14-12 at half time, that was a massive blow heading in. Uh, Milford, I thought, was outstanding the first half one with Granville and Tarmey Probably Corey Parker, who got through a mountain of work again. But the thing that got me and you, I suppose, the second half, despite all the chances, was how long he sat Jake Greenville for.
2: Yeah, well, you would have heard more about that if they had lost the game. Oh, because that
1: was, we were blowing up that over there. was ridiculous. There. It was crazy. Absolutely
0: ridiculous.
1: And it's no shot at Rory Costas, he's a solid footballer, but... The simple fact of the matter is exactly well, what you Grant saw. set your first two tries up. Exactly, like but we've, we've seen it all year. When he's at nine, and we've talked about this with certain teams where you don't have to worry about the ruck, when he's on the field, you have to be accountable at all times. He hasn't broke the line 17 times and scored 10 or 11 tries like he has, uh, you know, through sheer luck. He's a genuine threat out of dummy half, and that's the reason that Tamiya pass came off as well, because he gets out straight away. A couple of blokes looked in, and that just bought enough time for him to get on the outside shoulder, I think it was semi-thigh day, but to sit him for nearly 30 minutes for Jason, who's basically just the old sleep it off the deck and pass it and do his tackles, I thought that was near insanity, to be honest. Yeah, it was. But uh, luckily for them, they still created some chances, but some brilliant defence. We saw examples of that again from Brisbane. Morgan was held up uh, by Jack Reed and Milford. Lynette bombed right over the line, which was a huge moment. Right then and there, I just kind of felt that things might have went against them. Uh, Cootie, the double movement getting held back there. Reed stopping O'Neill. There were so many chances where we sat there, and it just kind of kept building and building and building. And then we get to probably the biggest moment of the game, I reckon. Kyle felt is uh, got. Li- I saw a little bit of a mention yesterday, but you can't underplay how big it was that on that fifth tackle where Milford breaks through and offloads to Hunt instead of the tackle being made and him taking him in the touch, or them getting a kick down to the Cowboys line, he punches that out on the halfway line there with a minute left. He gets them in brilliant field position. And on the back of that, not only does he get that massive moment where he saves them 50 metres and gets them the football, but he gets to finish things off after JT hits Morgan, who ran that same kind of drift line about nine or ten times that night trying to get in between Milford and Reid, and... What do you know? 80th minute, buzz going. Yeah, gone. well, they sat off him. It was the first time all yeah. they sort of sat off him. The first time. He finally pokes but his nose going through. through.
2: Going back to the felt play. that's going to be the forgotten player this grand final. That was
1: huge. Um, we were shooting be there.
2: Because he uh, that's what turned the game, and that's what gave him that last opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday, and he didn't even think about it. I said, look, you've got to think. They get to the last. He tackles in there. That's 100 metres they've got to go. Him punching that ball out and cleaning it up Puts them straight in a good ball with a minute to go. It was the perfect yeah, opportunity. So, well, it
2: made sure that they they were going to get a full set too, because they yeah. probably weren't going
1: to get a full set up until that point. Well, and that, I think so. It was just fitting that I think that Thurston and Morgan, in particular, who had such good years, and uh, and then Felt, who comes up at that moment, gets to score that try, and then the huge moment was the shot for goal. We we sat there for a couple of minutes, and the reaction around the ground, much like his on the ground and everyone in the box, was that was a crazy moment when it hit the post.
2: Yeah, I reckon, I think the referee made him move it out a foot or, you know, a couple of, at least 30 centimetres because a Broncos player was holding the line where the ball was put down on the trial line. I tell you what, if if that Broncos player, I don't know who who it was, I think it might have been Matt Gillette. If he didn't do that, then, you know, the ball would have gone over because it was that, the width of the post was about as far as um, JT had to move it back out. But uh, it built the theatre. It was, yeah, it was, it was mad. Like, they were talking on Monday that they are going to find him. I don't know whether they did or not. So they, no, no way longer. they could. The
1: bloody cameraman that's getting in so, his way and all kinds of stuff. Ridiculous.
2: It just shows you where the NRL's head's at, really.
1: You can't. That's... find
2: find JT,
1: for taking too long. Well, um, what? What about, what about the cameraman and everyone else that got in his way, and well, then Alfie they, Langer see, coming up? the
2: theatre. The longer the longer it went on, it, the, the theatre in that stadium, everyone was standing up.
1: Exactly, it was um, awesome. So, and I everyone contributed. Moment. But I, I was absolutely insanity. I, I personally,
2: personally, I would have liked to see that kick go over. Oh, it would have been Looking huge. A
1: reflection on the game. So, and again, but I'm the point. I, and, you know, now,
2: now we're talking about Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt and, and, you know, uh, which is terrible it's, it's absolutely I, I love what Justin Hodges said he, he didn't he lose the we, game he there without Ben Hunt exactly uh, and he's not the reason we lost
1: the game so. and the best meme I've seen after all the trolling which is just sad honestly because let's face it uh, I'd like to think probably the people that listen to our show aren't really on that bandwagon um this is a guy who's already played over 100 games of first grade. He's a former NYC player of the year. He's been in the Origin squad and he's worn an Australian jersey, and that's something that basically none of us are ever going to get to do. So <laughs> that one moment is not going to define him. Without him, he don't get there. He carried them on his own last year as well, with basically no fullback and no help with another halves partner, and he took his game to a whole new level this year. And I have no doubt. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know where we're giving a credence. I oh, just, yeah. It's yeah. just it's, it's just it disturbing. Going. Just it's disturbing. A bit, uh, that society... You would, would have felt like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I, I'm just like disturbed the awesome that game. there's people out there uh, that you feel that you could... Like, just some of the troll... Like, I know it's the way this world works, but it's just... It's wrong. It's just wrong. And, uh, again, I'm sure he's plenty yeah, happy with the himself.
2: People who are never going
1: to... Exactly. Gonna play he's played for his country, so... so um, that's that's <laughs> Look, more than anyone else can say. And I'm sure, I'm more than certain I'd be willing to put a lot of money on it that he will win a competition before his career ends. And uh yeah. I, next year, I'd probably have them right up there again as the favourites as far as uh, competition goes. And they'll be even more hungrier with such a young side going through. But sad way for it, Dan. JT got his fairy tale. Um, probably the only downside, and I said this to you on the night, I know it's all part of the theatre and he got the Clive Churchill. But honestly, uh, I, I thought James Tarmel was very underrated in that game, him and J- uh, Jason it depends how you It depends how you look at
2: the daily end. like...
1: You mean the Clive I Churchill? Could have, I
2: could have made a case for Anthony Milford. I think Milford was the best player on the field. Yeah. 79 minutes and 50
1: seconds. But Basically. But Brisbane didn't win. So I, I'm, I'm sort of, of... Cherry Evans, bloody got one. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm still in the camp of... The, I'd, I'd
2: like to see it go to a winning player, but obviously we've seen it happen before with Cherry Evans. And I think Milford's performance probably was equal to Cherry Evans. It was, it was I would, better. I would have had a gripe with uh, Milford getting it. Um, then again Thurston he first won them the game
1: so um, i know he won them the game but you need who puts him in the into that theory. who puts him in the who puts, I, him in the who puts him in the position I who puts him in that position michael morgan comes up with that freak play James Tarmow supplied the... Well, you
2: could go back to Kyle Felt. Michael yeah, well. Morgan doesn't make
1: that play. Go back to Felt. James yeah. Tarmow making 35-minute stint, 100-plus metres, tackles, scored a try, and he provided the quick play-the-ball after they almost muffed the opportunity but to I kick think, the field I goal. I think
2: James Tarmow is the only one that I could definitively say could have got it ahead of Thurston um, from the Cowboys. No um, play-the-ball.
1: No quick play of the ball, no field goal, because they well, almost. got to that. Play, play, the
2: ball, play the ball for them
1: all night. It wasn't just that one occasion. Yeah, I thought him and no. Tamilolo, If you want to go off the whole contribution, Morgan, um, and yeah, with you, if it was Brisbane, Milford was massive. Seven tackle breaks, two hundred plus metres of try assist, and he was he made a couple of more line breaks. He was just outstanding. But yeah, um, I think Wocklin Coote's performance was underrated oh, as well. Mate, he was he was massive, and I think the other one for me, and no surprise, Corey Parker. Just does what he does all the time 150 44 tackles he's just in everything and even though he had a little stint there on the bench um, again like we said he, he doesn't get to his bench for too long that probably hurt them a little bit because I think Cowboys got value out of their bench um, but yeah he, he was probably the only other one I looked at for Brisbane and thought you know I could possibly justify but Anthony Milford no there's no, there's
2: no way he was going to get it no not over Anthony unless Milford they won the game unless they won the game and they sort of went in that direction but um, Parker I thought yeah he was steady but yeah, uh, I think Milford Milford was head and shoulders the best Broncos player. Yeah,
1: it was outstanding. Uh,
2: I think the Cowboys. The good thing about the Cowboys is it shows their strength and um, player quality because there's so many players that we, we're saying that could have won the.
1: Well, Lachlan too. Usually,
2: usually, what someone stands out like dogs balls. or you know, one or two stands out like sports. but on this occasion, but you could make an argument for probably it was Milford. The Cowboys.
1: Milford was the only one who stood out really, but. The um, yeah.
2: Brisbane, yes. The I Cowboys, thought, I think there was a whole cluster of them that were just as good
1: as one another. They contributed, no doubt. Um, but yeah, the coot thing's massively underrated this year. I think that allowed everyone, Morgan, to go back to his natural position of six. Greenville's obviously another one who gets a lot of credit there, but I think Coot in particular gave him not only a link player, but a kicking game. He's, he's got a great long kicking game. Um, he was right up there on all the lists this year I saw. He was like top...
2: two well, also allows Thurston to play both sides of the field.
1: Yeah, but he was uh, top five and top ten for line-break assist, try assist, he had a hand and everything, scored a couple. He got involved, yeah. especially the long-kicking game. He took a lot of the long-kicking, so um, the amount of stuff that he added in, and he allowed Morgan to be Michael Morgan that uh, he didn't get to be two years ago, which is a great ball-running five eight. and we saw that strength this year when he got stationed, um, obviously, on that side of the field there. And Jonathan Thurston, him, Grant, everyone benefited this year. They're spawned or helped one another out. Yeah. But that gets us through our reviews of the grand finals, the under-20s, the state championship, and obviously the NRL. A massive congratulations to the Cowboys. A long time coming. Congrats to the Jets uh, being the underdogs, and obviously Penrith, the best side all year. 20 wins, four losses, and they go through the finals and get the job done. Had a ridiculous amount of halves, combinations, and changes all year, but... A uh, really good job by them. But now it's the awards. It's the fifths. So we'll go through and do all the awards that we did last year and then name our own team of the years um, via position at the end, plus a bench. I've had a massive struggle. I'm not going to lie. I've got a short list for my bench, and I'm going to have to think about it as we're going through this. I've got two spots filled, but I'm having a real drama trying to fill it up. But we kick things off. The first fifth is the rep player of the year. Brock, who did you have as your rep player of the year? Corey Parker, easy peasy, Japanesey. Yep, I had Corey Parker as well. The only other two that I would have suggested were Dugan, who was good for New South Wales, not so much his Australian debut, and probably Cameron Smith, who did a lot of small things throughout the Origin. But Corey Parker, head and shoulders above. He was our best player in that Anzac test. He was massive. And then during the Origin series, he was huge again. So, um, yeah, he wins the fifth for that. And one of our favourites, to be honest, and uh, I'm sure a lot of fan favourites. The bloke's an absolute weapon, and he just keeps getting better with age. All right, most improved. The fifth for the most improved player. I had a bit of a short list here, um, a few honourable mentions, but what about you, mate? Who did you come up with?
2: Uh, I had Lachlan Coote.
1: Most improved?
2: Yeah, well, when's, it was? His, it's his breakout year in first grade, really. I mean, he got the punt from Penrith um, based on his size, and there was always questions over whether he was going to stay fit. He was getting bashed out of games. Um, and he struggled. He struggled to string... Uh, a whole season together. He's, I don't think he's ever played a full and arrow season. This year he has, and look, look at the improvement in him. Uh, I think obviously the change of scenery up there has done him good. Uh, been around some quality players in the halves and hooker and a, a good front row has helped him out. But uh, he was the player this year. I, I, at the start of the year, if you said to me that Lachlan Cooper would play an integral role in the Cowboys winning the competition. I, I probably wouldn't have believed you. So um, he wins, he
1: wins my award. Well, again, a reflection on them. I wrote down Ethan Lowe, Jake Granville. Um, You know, there's a couple of names I wrote down from their side that I thought were massive. I've gone a different route with this. Um, I I think it's justified. Anthony Milford, my most improved, but purely because at Canberra, he come through the juniors as a 5'8", basically just won games off freakish ability, Um, come through playing fullback center wherever they need him to. So they kind of stunted his growth as a 5'8", but from round one where people took shots at him, to where he got to by the end of the year, probably being close to one of the best 5-8s in the competition. His transition to the halves and the effect he had on Brisbane, I think, is huge. So he's my most improved uh, on that position switch and just the role he played for Brisbane.
2: Yeah,
1: Rookie of the year. There was an absolute swag of rookies. Um, but who did you have, mate? Who's your fifth oh, for the both, rookie? We
2: spoke about this the other week before the Daly. I, I think we both had Munster. Um, the only one really that I could make a for outside of him is Bird, yeah, but, but I went
1: Munster. Yeah, I thought Jake Draboyevich as well, but there was a lot of other guys that had some good years, Holmes, Gresmill, etc., um, Campbell Gillard, all of them were good, Lola here, <laughs> but Munster, he came in about round five or six, I think it was, when I went to watch Canberra versus Storm, and I even I looked that day and thought, wow, in the wet, trying conditions, tough game that we barely won, I thought he was brilliant, and... Um, it will look. Everyone rate Melbourne off after that. We ended up making it to the final four. So his effect. I know Jack Bird had a big effect. I
2: didn't write him off.
1: What's the that? Didn't. No, well, I thought. Didn't write him off, mate. I thought Jack Bird had a good effect, no doubt. But I thought he's kind of flattened out. Um, he started on fire. He was solid from there on in. But I thought Munster had a much bigger effect on Melbourne than what Bird did on the Sharks. So uh, my rookie of the year is definitely Cameron Munster. Yep, you with Munster. Super sub. Yep. Who, who is your fifth for the super sub? Uh, Tyrone
2: Peachy. Won the Merv Cartwright medal last night for the best player at Panthers, um, and I think he was outstanding this season.
1: Well, I've cheated with this award. Um, I know probably near the back end of the year, a few of these guys weren't playing on the bench, but the Roosters bench was ridiculous. They had Napa, Tokiaho, Evans kind of all rolling at one point off the bench. Later in the year when Jared got injured, a few suspensions, etc., and a bit of a reshuffle. They had Tokyaho and a couple of these blokes starting, but that bench was absolutely ridiculous. Individually, I'm with you. I had Peachy written down. I thought Asiata, ABC amount of fun eye Mate, you've got to pick one
2: person. You can't have 15
1: people. Boydy, I thought they are all good. If you want an individual, I'll say Peachy as well, but, mate, the Roosters bench was ridiculous. Those guys uh, did a super job there, but I'll agree with you on this one. The super sub of the year, Tyron Peachy for the fifths. Now, the best coach for our woods. Bennett, easy. Wayne Bennett.
2: Easy, easy, easy. Wayne Bennett.
1: Yeah, well, a team that... At the
2: start of the year, people were questioning whether he could still do it, and he's got him to a grand final within a whisker of winning it. So, um, yeah, plus the moves he made over the off-season, the roster moves he made, I think, best coaching performance easily.
1: Yeah, I had Wayne Bennett as well. Obviously, there was people talking. uh, Flanagan getting him back. Robinson, three minor premierships. Bellamy... Uh, Paul Green won the comp, but I'm with you, Wayne Bennett. They definitely weren't expected to do what they did. Massive effort by him, and they're only going to be better for it next year. But worst coach, unfortunately, the fifth. Who have you got for that? Well, I didn't really have one. Like I thought.
2: Really splitting hairs, like Rich Stone got fired. He was probably the worst performing coach, so if you want me to pick one, I'd have to go with him, but the competition was so tight. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure.
1: Who'd you go? I've got Jason Taylor. Um, I think, honestly... Well, that, he's an easy easy pick. Uh, really. It's an easy pick, right. but I, I think he handled things poorly, in particular when it got near the Farris situation. Um, things change a few times during the year, and a lot of times when he spoke, I'll give him a rap that he was open and honest. But a lot of the time, I, uh, you know, just he kept going around in circles about we're working on defence, we're working on defence, we're doing this, blah blah blah, this and that. Uh, but in particular, the, the move at the end for me, and I think that there's obviously talk that Tapau's is not a big fan. There's a couple of blokes that aren't, aren't a big fan, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, but,
2: yeah. yeah, I think he's trying to shake the joint up. I can't really blame him for that. No, I can't and really I, blame I just, him. But... I like, agree with you in the fact that the Ferris situation wasn't handled really well, but no. I don't think he got much support from anyone else at the club. So, um, Look, I thought they had a good start to the year. They just, uh, Obviously, their roster, there's a lot of things he's inherited from the roster. But Yeah, I, I don't think there was a real outstanding... Like Usually, there's one team that just had an absolute Barry Crocker. I don't think there's that... that Real stinker this year. So
1: No, nah, the only other one I could think of, but again, uh, I could give him some mercy because I think it's just the side and the way they generally tend to be is the Warriors and McFadden. But every time they find an excuse, they oh, well, they were just,
2: spat to Morricone I halfback. They just they fall from
1: miles away. They just fall into a heap any chance they get or any excuse they every, get. So. You,
2: you change the coach, they change the coach every year, and that still doesn't change. Yeah. The side's performance doesn't change, so I don't no. think it's
1: coach. No, it's it's very sad to see, but. Uh, yeah, underrated player. What is your fifth? Ethan Lowe. Ethan Lowe. Well, I've got Ethan Lowe as well. Uh, Honourable mentions, Blake Green, Josh Hodgson. And another one for me was Leeson Army. I thought he had an outstanding season for the Dragons. But, yep. Um Ethan Lowe. He's gone from his little drama there with the betting scandal. Got back in this year. Was outstanding on that edge. He's Queensland eligible. I'd have to think. I don't know about you, any couple of years. I think he's got rep football written all over him. He's exactly yeah. the kind of player that they tend to pick. So for uh, the, the Queensland side. So he was massive this season. He looks a Guera-esque Gwera, um, in Did, two or three years. Yeah, I think he's he's basically like Gavin Cooper, but you'd say a little bit more polished. He, he's a bit quicker, a little bit more skilled to his game, but they've almost got mirror images both sides of the field. But defensively, he's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, who is your most overrated player? Oh, overrated player? Okay, I, I went overrated team. I
2: think the Warriors are the most overrated um player to uh,
1: pass. Who'd you go? Mate, Josh Morris. Um, for years and years, and again, I saw an article the other day saying if we had an Australian tour this year, who would they pick? He's the first one picked in the centres again. I, I'm just absolutely dumbfounded. I, I think Brett's a really good player. Josh, I think, is quite honestly been ordinary since he got to the Bulldogs. I, I'd I don't probably, understand. I, if
2: I'd, I'd probably have to look to the Titans. I'd probably say Greg Bird, just overrated in terms of... Um, how much he's getting paid to cool. what he's actually given that side.
1: Josh Morris is him, on, a, on a mint as well, and he gets a rep jersey regardless of how he's playing. So I, I think there's other yeah, centers. Have say Greg Bird. Just
2: from a Titans point of view, value for money, I just don't think we get it out of Greg Bird.
1: Yeah, well, I, I wish I could look at him like I do Brett, but I just don't. And I, don't, I know probably origin time, he's always assuring because he doesn't do a bad number on GI, but yeah, it doesn't seem to no matter what he's doing or how he's playing. He gets massive raps, They talk about him all the time. I, I think there was a lot of centres that were better than him this year, but uh, again, he, he's the one for me. When I saw that again the other day, that's just the icing on the cake to say that he would be in the Australian side um, straight away again in the centres. I, I think he's massively overrated. So, What about your toughest player? Uh,
2: toughest player, I had Simon Mannering.
1: He's very tough, I'll give him that. I went Thurston this year just because of what he played through, uh, particularly. I, I thought he probably took more shots this year than he has in general. They really, really went after him this year. but well,
2: Especially early in the year when they were all dashing
1: him. Yeah, but at the back end of the year, they're needled up. He's got the groins. Um, he had a bit of a shoulder issue. He had, he had a million issues, to be honest. Um, we, we looked at him on the weekend. It's hard to spot on TV, but he was basically limping or struggling to get back on side for that whole game. But he turned yeah. up, and he's done that all year, and he finally got what he deserves. So, yeah, he gets my fifth for the toughest player. This one I thought was hard to pick this year, but the dirtiest player. Yeah, uh, well,
2: Josh Reynolds got charged with a few trips, didn't he? Yeah.
1: So, so that's the only one I could think that, of. That's
2: the dirtiest sort of thing that's happened. I think um, Jake Mamo, I could probably throw him in there as an honorable mention.
1: Getting getting a bit of niggle.
2: He did some stupid, niggly, grubby stuff during the year, um, which he's going to need to get out of his game. But the, the game, the game, sort of gone away from allowing players to be dirty. So.
1: Yeah, well, I think only one I had again. Sorry, everyone out there, but he lived up to the name of the grub. He tripped in city country. He backed it up with Sandow not long after. I think there may have been another one he got off for, but you can't go tripping. You've you got to use your arms, Josh. So Hopefully yeah, next year go. hopefully next year he's done a bit of work. You, you, you'd stop watching the Premier League or the A-League start using your arms. That'd be an upside, but uh, what about your comeback player of the year? Uh, mate, I went Bryce Cartwright.
2: Um, he was told last year that he was uh, there was a chance he'd never play again um, smashed his ankle up and it uh, did not look good for him and I think you know, I know Peachy won the uh, Player of the Year award last night but I think Bryce Cartwright can consider himself um, unlucky not to, to win that award um, he was outstanding sparked the Panthers attack and um, to go from you know, sort of a fringe first grader I won't say fringe first grader but he was more a bench player last year um, to have that injury to do all the rehab and then come back and cement himself in the starting side and uh, probably lead our attack um, at the Panthers for the majority of the season. I think that was a, a massive comeback. There was a lot of concerns over him uh, throughout the offseason, so he got mild.
1: Yeah, I can completely see where you're coming from. Morham was hard to split. I was splitting hairs. I had Coote and Tedesco, but I, I went Tedesco. I, I think Coot's probably had a rougher run, but just for all the raps – um, that were on Tedesco and the knee, and then last year it was the kneecap again, and these little flashes of brilliance. In, and then the other thing that probably got over the line for me was how he side went. His side was horrible this year, but it didn't matter about the game or the circumstances. James Tedesco was absolutely brilliant. Um, it, I just think he's an outstanding footballer. It was great to see him have the year he did, but cool on the same side. Peck, shoulders, knees. He's had everything thrown at him, um, and he, he wins a comp and fulfills his potential this year. He was absolutely awesome, so... Those two fullbacks for me are my comeback players. They were awesome. But what about your fallen player? So somebody um, playing first grade or a rep play, any, anything of that kind of level, or just someone who was no, up to high standards. There was
2: there was two that stood out for me. Chris Andow obviously um, signed that massive deal at Parramatta. Uh, started off the year not too bad actually, and then uh, ended up at moving over to England and basically got the arse from Parramatta. Uh, and the other one is John Sutton. He went. He's gone from. Lifting the trophy. Premiership um, captain. On Day last year. And Arizona. Premiership captain to uh, being an absolute non-factor, I think, uh, to, towards the back end of the year and playing really poor footy. So I think he's yeah.
1: fallen away. And the start of the year signaled everything, didn't it? He started off with the Arizona drama, lost the captaincy and um, didn't exactly yeah. have a brilliant year, then finished with a couple of injuries. So not good. Fallen for me. i probably used this one before, but I, I think T-Rex, he got injured, but he started the same again. I, I can't believe that's the same guy. Who won a comp and was the Aussie back row who was awesome for a bit, but I ended up picking Conrad Hurrell just because of the talent and the potential. I to
2: say, it's a bit of a Bulldogs bash up here. It's
1: Three or four years on. Day. No, I'm going with Conrad Hurrell, and I just think he's a waste of talent, really. And you know, The moment that really gave things a, a shake, you know, I was sad to see, was that New South Wales Cup game. I saw him included and thought, this is massive against Mounties, you know, if he has a big game, um, you know, that they could upset them week one, and he ended up getting himself put in the sin bin. Uh, the day I was there at Belmore and I just thought, wow, like again, we've seen a couple of bits over the last couple of years where he's lost weight and got shape and he comes in, plays a couple of good games and and then he just kind of falls off, but uh, it's just the little stuff. When you, when you get into grade, 90% of it's just your attitude and training. There's no doubt he's got the, the talent, but a few off-field things, little bits on social media, the weight stuff, just the effort in general. I, I really hope he does fulfill his potential because I absolutely love watching him play, but... Uh, I think he's fallen a long way. And then, obviously, a couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago, we talked about the rumours with Gossip that he's potentially switching to rugby union. So, um yeah, I, I think he's fallen a long way from the talent that I saw coming to first grade. Yeah. Peanut of the Year. So, I think this one's going to be quite easy. But who have you got for your Peanut of the Year? So this uh, is DCE to grub. The backflip. Well, I'm still filthy about it. Of course you yeah. are. I'm free. still filthy about it. I can't believe that
2: the game allowed it. Um, and look, I've gone Bo Ryan as well. What an idiot! Like, bloody hell, his, his wife—he's got a wife and daughter. Um, they're in the public spotlight, uh, and his wife's gorgeous. So I don't know what he was thinking. Dumb. And I can't believe Channel Nine landed back onto the Grand Final show last week. But
1: well, it's a bit of a—it's a bit of a double Another standard. Day, mate. Bit of a double standard, I think. Um, that they drag Matty Johns through the turf and and this happens and he gets a couple of weeks off and seemingly comes back like nothing's happened, so... Yeah, good uh, joke. Yeah, that's a bit surprising, but mine was DC for the backflip, but also Honourable Mention's got to go to Chrisy Sandow now for his little brain explosion, and if we play my football and this and that, and um, after all the help that Parra gave him, especially after a couple of bung years and the gambling problems and everything else, uh, yeah, he, he carried on like a bit of a peanut, and then he went over to England and they booed him basically for the first couple of weeks, so...
2: Well, he played terrible. I hope things game. pick up for him. In yet,
1: so. Yeah, well, I hope things pick up for him next year because the way he carried on this year and got uh, the punt mid-season, it got pretty ugly. But Cherry Evans takes the cake with that backflip. I think most people would agree there. But best buyer of the season, who do you think was the best buyer? Uh got two. Uh, I couldn't
2: split them. Anthony Milford and Blake Austin. Yeah, well, I um, And then, you know, you could you could even make a case for Ennis. But I, I think Milford was the best player for the Broncos in the grand final. I don't think they get there without him. Uh, and Blake Austin was outstanding. Yeah,
1: well, I had all three of those names written down. Uh, I underlined Mick Innes, but I, oh Christ, you could pick any of those blokes. Those three in particular. There, there was a couple, I had a look at the signings yesterday. There wasn't really a lot of a hell lot of a movement last year, a big movement, but all three of these players made a massive contribution. Mick Innes was, well, he's probably as important to the Sharks and any other player, him and Wade Graham. Milford, like you said, they couldn't have got where they did without him. And Blake Austin came in with a new hooker. Sammy Williams coming back for you know back to Canberra after two clubs in twelve months, and Jackie White in a new position. He just led from the front for a Canberra side that probably should have made the finals, but he was brilliant. Yeah. Worst buy of the year.
2: Oh, well, it's easy to go Barber. I'm not going to go Barber. Um, I'd probably say Tim Grant.
1: Timmy Grant, they gave him probably half. just
2: for the money that they sort of pay, shelled out for him.
1: Yeah, well, it was Tim Tarek Sims or Tim Grant, and they went Tim Grant. So I think they would have much rather Tarek Sims. He would have fitted probably what they needed a lot better. But now they're supposedly trying to offload him already. Well, that's
2: what I mean, yeah.
1: Not good business. I had a couple. Barber, again, like I said, you could easily pick on. But uh, Martin Kennedy, come back, got busted before he even got to play. Josh Hoffman, a player I really like. I thought he had a bit of a poor year for your mob up there. Really? Yeah, I, I kind of thought he was—he kind of struggled. I know they struggled in general, but I didn't think he had a great year. Yeah, um, I disagree with that
2: one. I thought he was, he was okay. I didn't think he was a bad
1: buy. The one I look at was Anthony Watt now for what they paid him. Uh, I know he ended up getting injured, but start of the year, the huge money. They took that back-end of deal, gave him a massive long-term deal. I kicked up a stink about it last year. Um, and even without rep football, he wasn't healthy and he was probably one of their worst forwards, to be honest, when he was healthy. So uh, for the, for what they paid for I him... I
2: think he, he was okay, What no, but they didn't, definitely didn't get a return
1: for the money that they're Well, $800,000. But uh,
2: pretty, well, he knows that. He knows that and you can't control injuries. So. Well, I
1: hope he stays healthy next year along with Scott and that and with Flora in there because that can make a difference. But, yeah, I thought for uh, the money and the length of the deal he signed, I'm uh, pretty poor, but... Yeah, there was a couple of guys there but the bargain buy. so obviously someone that would have been picked up on the cheap I think this one's quite easy it's got to be Jake Greenville
2: No, I went a different way I went um, I went the three boys who came over from England Green, Hodgson and Soliola. I think Green uh, was outstanding for Melbourne I, I don't think they get anywhere near as far up the ladder without him um, so influence on the team uh, he had a big one Josh Hodgson I thought was Outstanding. Brilliant for Canberra and so was Soliola. I, I, I couldn't
1: believe they signed Soliola, but the way he
2: played. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, he was
1: sensational. Well, I could chuck Sammy Williams in again. Like, I think Canberra probably won free agency last year. They got Soliola, Blake Austin, Sam Williams, and Josh Hodgson. And they were all like Soliola got their player of the year. Hodgson led the 40 20s and was awesome out of nine. And Williams and Austin were dynamic in the halves, in particular, Austin. Yeah. So for their couple of buyers last year, they got more than value for money for every single one of them. But um, I went Granville just because he was a Queensland Cup player. He got a sniff of the oily rag at Brisbane, a couple of 10-minute stints and got the punt. And Paul Green took a punt on the bloke that he he won two comps with, brought him in, again, probably on minimum wage or something fairly light. And he's been a massive contributor uh, to what they've done this year and, and then winning the comps. So. Uh, I think he he deserves massive raps. And him and Lachlan Coot are looking at signing new deals. The Cowboys, that's their first priority, I've said, straight after the grand final, and understandably so. But overachiever of the year. So this is getting to the teams now. A team you thought overachieved?
2: Uh, The Sharks and the Dragons were the two standouts for me.
1: I went the Dragons as far as making the eight. I thought McGregor did a great job, and they did a great job. Um, And then I'd have to say Melbourne. Again, after getting written off, it sounds a bit biased, but... Lewis and Billy. No, I don't think they overachieved. Oh, I think making the final four they did, to be honest. I, I thought they'd make the eight, but I didn't think they'd get to where they did. And, um, no, from, I think I had
2: them in the four. That no, didn't surprise me. For months to close to being there again next year because they got such quality
1: and a good coach. Uh, what about your underachiever? I think this is obvious. Yeah, the Warriors. Yeah, it's the Warriors. I had the Panthers, but again, the injuries absolutely slammed them. Uh, I well, just the
2: Panthers was
1: injury yeah. I know but like I said at the end of the year there was a distinct lack of attitude at one point there even though they had some changes they they oh, fired the up, up for their last game and got things going but the Warriors definitely take the cake as soon as Johnson went they took that as an easy out despite the fact they have a bunch of internationals in their side but um, yeah they're the underachiever but getting onto to the bigger moments before we start naming our teams of the year what was your highlight of the season
2: oh the great final simple uh, that game was brilliant. The way it finished was brilliant. And then a little side note, I think uh, the success of Jared Hayne in the NFL, that's been a, a massive highlight. I, I love the fact he went over there and uh, sort of gambled his future, and he's, he's come up trumps um, and cracked it in, arguably the biggest sport in the world. So good
1: on him. Yeah, mine was the grand final, but particularly the start and the finish, like I said, uh, the start was insane, but the ending was just as crazy. We've been waiting for the... I've been going 10 years now. You've been going 16. Um, I've been waiting for something like that to happen, and the other night was just phenomenal, and especially being there. That was absolute insanity, but um, if I was yeah, going to... I've
2: been every year every year now since 2000, and that's the best game I've seen by
1: my... Yeah, if I was going to have a side note like you, probably the origin of the MCG. I really enjoyed that. I thought the atmosphere uh, was outstanding. I thought that was a good game of football. So, um, yeah, that yep. one for me was good, and... Um, probably on a player's note, I thought watching Thurston and, and Sheck every week, I thought they were in particular. But, uh, yeah, Roger tuivasa Sheck was outstanding. And JT on that 12-run win, some of the games that he pulled from the fire, uh, they were a joy to watch. Yeah, they were. But what was your low light of the year?
2: Well, I had a few. Um, I think you just mentioned Origin 2. Origin 3 was... Yeah, I got Origin low 3. Low light. We <laughs> up there and we got hammered. Um, it was terrible. Yeah. The hotel room we stayed in was disgusting. Looks like the bad. prison cell. Um, ben Ross snapping his arm on TV—that wasn't—that <laughs> uh, wasn't ideal. Wendell, um, I had to. It just it was just bad, 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 bad. Um, and the one that really stood out to me was um, 60 minutes just kicking Cameron Smith in the guts. Yeah, uh, didn't like it. It was a massive low light um, for me. Uh, this season, and it brought up a lot of um, old scar tissue from the Alex McKinnon issue. Um, um, I read this week that they've buried the hatchet, which is good. Um, I'm glad they have, and I'm glad they've sat down and been able to talk about it. Because,
1: yeah, it was very uh, cool.
2: It dragged through the mud for weeks. And, yeah. Uh, he's still not talking to Channel 9, or I don't blame him.
1: Yeah, I had a few things, I suppose. The star of the year gave me a sour note after we got past the Asada stuff when they brought the Titans uh, drug issue up, but today, I think Bo Falloon, his charges were thrown Faloon, out. Both Falloon got off, the judge yeah. threw it out, and, he, and they're saying
2: that all the other cases are getting thrown out as well. So. Yeah,
1: so again, it's, I, I'm not saying they were guilty or anything, but just the fact that that was straight away at the start of the year again, um, that that was a massive kick in the pants after we finally rid ourselves of the Asada thing. But I think the probably the other one for me is just the Eels again, especially the management wars, the the foreign... Fiasco and, and trying to move the goalposts and the Hopuata situation and infighting and Anderson and, and, and just everybody that place is just a shamble. But uh, the one of all Origin three dogs and bunnies, black uh, the the bottle thing was pretty bad. But I went the, the backflip again of Cherry Evans of all those things that are off-field incidents. Uh, that one for me was just a massive blow to a club that was kind of already on life support, and the NRL stepped in. I thought that was massively. Disappointing that he yeah. backflipped and the way they tried to basically say oh it happened within 24 hours that's, that's a lot of crap that was facilitated yeah, right. weeks early he should have just stepped up like a man told the Titans look I'm backing out and giving them that time to uh, you know maybe see if they could convince Caesar. even though he basically come out and said my parents raised me the opposite and I'm not going to backflip regardless but um, it just really hurt he left it to the last minute they didn't really get any chance to move in the market so that that was my big one that really hurt a side that was already you know on NRL control and on its knees. But hopefully next year, a lot of free money, get on the player market and hopefully find some blokes. So, um, yeah. What about your tri- try of the year? A lot from around 12. The one on half time, Um Even got a
2: smile out of Wayne Dennett, so it must have been a good try
1: to get that. Yeah, mine was the same, the halftime try. Edric Lee's error picked up, went through multiple sets of hands, even got a little bit messy in the middle there, but they hit Maranta at the end. And he crashed over on half time. That was a massive, massive player. And, yeah, someone yelled out to him. He said, I think the press conference, it wasn't the try. Someone yelled out, did you like that, Clint Eastwood, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, he had a bit of a giggle to himself, old Wayne, the comedian years. Game of the year. What was your game of the year? Grand final. Grand final. I
2: probably also gave him the first week of the finals.
1: Yeah, Broncos, cows. sides played, and
2: then the other one would be, uh, the first
1: time this year at called the Roosters and the Broncos played. That was a creepy game. Yeah, I, I went the grand final, but I have to give special mentions, especially one that people, two games in the rain that people probably don't remember. Melbourne versus the Roosters round seven, um, particularly the way it went. Tried at Melbourne, looked like that at ice. Cameron Smith kicked it from the sideline, and then the Roosters scored straight after. And James Maloney struck back, kicking one from the sideline, and Um, I think Cooper Cronk kicked the field goal, but that game in wet conditions I thought was of a massively high standard. And the other one was just pure ghetto, but I loved it. The Sharknado against South on Monday night with the 87-kilometre winds in the rain. That was ugly, as but I enjoyed it. It was terrible. It was an absolute dogfight, but I loved that game. It was ugly. It just summed up... Monday night footy usually dishes up an ugly game. That game was ugly. It was. It was terrible. Well, I supp- we'll announce this before our Team of the Year, and I think this is quite obvious. Our Player of the Year, we ran a, a voting system this year, similar to the Dally M's, and Jonathan Thurston won it by a country mile. Um, the only one who got close was Roger tuivasa Sheck. I think he was still nine votes behind. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Thurston, he's our winner of the fifth Player of the Year. Massive year for him. But, yeah, Sheck, I think, was the one nine points behind, and then there was a little pool with Maloney, Milford Hunt all these guys lots of wins at the back end of the season big years um, especially I think Maloney and Sheck piled some votes in that 12 win streak but uh, yeah Hunt and Milford they were the focal point for a lot of games obviously during the year for the Broncos and that and um, yeah Jonathan Thurston massive massive year for him so congratulations you're our player of the year but we'll jump into our teams Brock separately one through to 17 who is the fullback in your team of the year? Uh, two of us, Shek. Yeah, I've gone two of us, a Shek. Honorable mentions must go to Tedesco, Locklin, Kurt, and probably Josh Dugan. But yeah, I thought Cootie in particular. Um, it was a very underrated season, and James Tedesco obviously individually. But uh, next up, your wingers for your team of the year.
2: Uh, Semi
1: Radrara and Curtis Rona. Yeah, I've gone Semi Radrara and Valentine Holmes. I. I... Found it very hard to pick this one, especially i got to give mentions to Rona and Corabetti as well. But um, I thought Holmes not, was, was a winger, scored some tries, but the field goals and just a few other things. I think he won them a couple of games. Uh, and, and, yeah, semi Rad Rava is quite obvious. He broke the record and in a very poor side, he's an outstanding footballer. But another hard position was the centres, because, to be honest, it was a bit of a wobble of the year for them. But who are your centres in your team of the year? Uh,
2: Michael Jennings and James Roberts.
1: I've gone James Roberts and Will Chambers, but I basically flipped a coin. I thought Jennings or him, I could either argue either way. I didn't think there was many other contenders, to be honest. I think Justin O'Neill was probably
2: the best centre in the game for the last six weeks.
1: He was pretty good. I thought uh, Blake Ferguson, even though he only played about half a year when he was on the field, was good. Uh, And the other one probably had a good season, and I thought he had a terrible year last year, was Jack Reed? I thought he had a pretty good year. So yeah. Good one about him. Who is your 5'8 in your team of the year? Uh, James Maloney. You at Maloney. I had Maloney during the year, but after the finals, um, it swayed me to put Milford in there. I had a neck and neck. I thought Maloney was as massive for them, but yeah, Mil- Milford, yeah, without him and Hunt, they-, they definitely didn't make the grand final, but I just can't believe the transition he's made to number six. Um, but yeah, him, Morgan, Austin, Maloney, if you name any of those guys, I don't think anyone can argue with you for wanting to pick any of them. They all had massive years. What about your halfback? Well, we both got Pearson, obviously. Yeah, the only other half I can give a mention to is probably Ben Hunt, to be honest. I thought most of yeah. the other halves had a quiet season. So, uh, yeah, the only other one, but I think uh, the nominations for the Dalliams were Pearson and Kronk. I thought Kronk had a, a good middle period, but other than that, I thought he had peace a pretty had a, good.
2: Pearson
1: had a good year. Uh, I, I don't know. I, oh, thought, I thought they were both more quiet this year, to be honest. But uh, this, this position was quite contentious. Your front rowers? Oh, easy. Bromwich and Ria Jar- 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 Hargreaves. Well, I've gone Bromwich, and I went Ben Madalena and I can't believe he didn't get a nomination for property at the Daly M's.
2: Yeah, I just I thought Bromwich was property of all and then I thought Ria Jar- Jar- Hargreaves, before he got injured, was probably going to overtake him as property. Well,
1: I think uh, Madelino, Madelino and Mannering carry Madalino, the award. I
2: think Madelino and Wood, like Woods won the award. They they started the year strong, but when the Whips got cracking, Bromwich and Ria Jar- Jar- Hargreaves are the best two.
1: I think Madalena and Mentoring basically carried the Warriors even when things got sad there. So um, I've got to have honourable mentions. Probably the, the the Cowboys pair, Scott and Tarmow. Woods was there. And, yeah, obviously Joe Barea before he got hurt. But I thought NARPA was another one. I know he kind of went between the bench and starting, but I thought he had a massive year as well. What about your hooker? This one's probably obvious. Yeah, I want NF. Yeah, he went in. This. this is another position. I think Hodgson from Canberra, Jake Granville, and McCulloch. McCulloch's got to get a rap. He didn't get enough credit during the year what he did for the Broncos. He was outstanding. Yeah. Back rollers of the year? Um, Wade Graham and Gavin Cooper. Yeah, he did have a massive year, didn't he? I, I've gone Wade Graham and Boyd Corner I thought in particular the back half of the year. Um, it really pained me to leave Cooper out, but he's one of the ones I've put on my well, bench. Here, so. Yeah, I thought Origin. he didn't get enough opportunity, but the back end of the year I thought he was the best back backer, basically, on the run home, so I've had to go him But uh, what about your lock of the year, this one, be the same I'm guessing? Parker. Yeah, Parker uh, Tom Lolo, I, I know he won on the night, but I think that was a popularity vote Yeah, there's a lot of games, he played half games or he was a bit quiet, Parker just does in, in, week in week out, regardless of whether it's a rep jersey or a Broncos jersey, but now we get to the bench, who was the first player on your bench? Uh, Corey Norman Corey Norman, yeah, wow. I thought he was... Yeah, I
2: love him. I think he was uh, by far and away the best player at the Parramatta Reels this year. Um, I think he's a real footballer. Uh, and I think next year when he's partnered with Foran, you're going to see a superstar emerge. I, I thought he had an outstanding season.
1: Yeah, well, I can't knock you there. Especially, like, again, that's why I had such credit for... Tedesco and a few of these other guys that played in lesser sides that that really pulled their weight. Um, yeah, he, he was huge for Parramatta. But my first one is Michael Morgan. Um, again, five like I said, five eight. So it was a lot of guys that were massive. But uh, I don't know what whatever you can say. Basically, that whole Cowboys spine were standouts in their positions. Like no, I I kind know of first and one the M, but without each and every one of them being there, that they don't win the comp. Um, but yeah, his his contributions for Queensland, him in the grand final, him just during the season. Uh, he, he was he was outstanding. He, he's come on so strong after being moved to fullback last year and now put back to five eight. Um he yeah, has, he's I probably
2: would have had him, but he got injured and
1: oh, uh, I still uh, had to put him in there. Finish, yeah. But
2: yeah, he could pick the whole Cowboys side and fall in love with him, but team
1: of the year. Yeah, yeah well I'm, I'm still so think he was right up there. The so who is the next one on your bench?
2: Uh Milford. I couldn't find a space for him over Maloney. I thought Maloney was the best by 8 consistently throughout the year, but Milford's form during the finals, um, I had to put him in.
1: Yeah, well, I've continued. Like I said, I've, it's not even going to do with the Cowboys. It's what they've done, but I think Gavin Cooper, um, his year was spectacular as usual, always consistent on that edge. Uh, I thought back row was a position that was fairly lackluster this year, but I thought him, Wade Graham, and Cordner obviously was massive for That back end, but if you want to talk week to week, I thought him and Wade Graham were absolute standouts. Yeah. All right. Who's number 16?
2: Uh, James Tedesco.
1: Very, very good player. Outstanding player.
2: Had a great year, was by far and away, in my opinion, the Tigers' best player. Forget Aaron Woods. Tedesco was massive, that's no knock on wood, but I think Tedesco was by far and away their
1: best. Yeah, well, I had James Tedesco as well, and basically what we said before, in the side that he was in, the season he had, the injuries he's had, um, oh, he, he just lit the field up. And I, I enjoy, as, as bad as they probably were, I enjoyed watching the Tigers games, just hoping that he was going to get the football. Yeah, well,
2: he was outstanding.
1: Yeah. Well, the final spot, who was number seven in your team?
2: I uh, had Blake Austin. Um, I think he was, again outstanding for the Raiders, uh, probably should have played origin, went through an unbelievable patch of form uh, around that period, an eight-week period there where he just tore the comp shreds. Um, and even when the side struggled, he, he still played very well and uh, I hope his form continues to improve and he can pair up with Caesar next year because Caesar's a big loss to the Titans and uh, I think they'll be very, very good together.
1: Well, I had to flip a coin, and again, it was another Cowboy. I had Lachlan Coote and Blake Austin, but uh, I had to go with Austin, much like you, again, in and aside, without without him there, they don't even get close to the position they were in. Yes, they did lose a lot of close games, but he was just an absolute spark plug, and much like you said about the origin situation, if he's playing anything like that next year, they have to pick him as our number six. He, he was absolutely outstanding for Canberra. Yeah. But there you. it is our Teams of the Year, all the awards. So, Brock, could you read back in full 1-17, to 17, your Team of the Year? Uh, Roger
2: Tuovasa-Shek, Sammy Radrara, Michael Jennings, James Roberts, Curtis Rohner, James Maloney, uh, Jonathan Thurston, Jesse Bromwich, Michael Ennis, Jarabria Hargreaves, Wade Graham, Gavin Cooper, Corey Parker, and the bench, Corey Norman, Anthony Milford, James Tedesco, Blake Austin.
1: My Team of the Year, 1-17, to 17, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, Semi Rad Rara and Valentine Holmes on the wings. The centres James Roberts and Will Chambers. The halves combination Anthony Milford and Jonathan Thurston. The front row Jesse Bromwich and Ben Madaleno with Michael Ennis at hooker. The back row Wade Graham, Boyd Cordner and Corey Parker. And on the bench, Michael Morgan, Gavin Cooper, James Tedesco and Blake Austin. And um, yeah, a couple of guys that missed out. Just very slim, but honourable mentions. I have to probably say Ben Hunt, James Maloney, uh, Lachlan Coote. He was another one, and then probably a couple of those hookers we spoke of, Granville, Hodgson. I, I thought those guys all had really, really good years. And can't for them in for buddy. Nah, no, you can't. But another dark horse, probably for me, was Tokiaho. Um I, I would have had him up there for lock of the year if he played there the yeah. whole season. But yeah, there- there's a lot of guys there, but. There it is. We've given you the grand final reviews of all three grades, especially the NRL, and we've gone through all of our awards, our Team of the Year, and the fifth player of the year for the fifth and last this year. It is Jonathan Thurston. So we'll probably chuck something on the page there for all these award categories, get your thoughts, and then put up what we picked, um, obviously, for our Team of the Year and our awards. But box it. we've only I'll, got one.
2: Uh, I'll quickly give you an update on the Super League. Um, yep. Wigan just hammered Huddersfield and I said that last week that I thought that Huddersfield you know they've done well to get to the top four but I didn't think they'd, they'd aim up or be able to match it so Wigan went through in that game that was Thursday night Friday morning our time uh, and then Leeds played in Helens in what was a pretty scrappy game um, Leeds were terrible oh, I thought uh, their attack was sideways and terrible they just still found somehow found a way to pull it out Sir Kev kicked the 40-20 with about, three, uh, about 7 minutes to go Um, which led to a try, and and Leeds were able to hold on. Um, So it's going to be Wigan and St Helens in the grand final. On form, you'd probably have to go with uh, Wigan, to be honest. They're they're the form side. Leeds are struggling a little bit, but Leeds are shooting to be the first team to go um, through a season and win the Challenge Cup, the league leader's shield, and the Super League grand final. So um, obviously I'm a Leeds man, so I'm pulling for that. And the million-pound game... uh, it was a pretty, pretty tense affair. Um, Bradford ended up getting beaten uh, by Wakefield, so all four Super League sides will return again next year, and the four teams from Division One will go back down. But it was interesting. Jimmy Lowe's blew up after the game um, about the the format, and he he hates the you know the fact that it's sort of, sort of uh, a relegation game. But uh, Jimmy, you, you got a chance. They finished. Second, I think in, in Division One, uh, which means they wouldn't have been promoted. And then during the, the bottom eight or the middle eights, whatever they called them, um, Bradford finished fifth, so they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have even gone through based on their ladder position. The only reason they even got a chance to go up was through that million pound game. So I don't understand why he was having a sook, but um, you know they, they they were just just you know outclassed in the end. They had a penalty goal conversion to draw the game up with about ten to go and. Uh, missed it, and then Wakefield went down and scored, and, and Wakefield won by eight. So Brian Smith sort of um, fulfilled his job description. There is a bit of conjecture whether he'll go around again next year, but um, tune into the Super League Grand Final. I think it's uh, I think it's three or four am Sunday morning our time. So hit IQ, um, get up, and gives you going to footy watch this again.
1: There you go. There's Super League, the last game of the year for them. I'm, I looked at it before. It's three am Sunday morning. Yeah. Leeds versus Wigan, and their player of the year was Zach the out of the fullbacker. Uh, fullback. well,
2: yeah, and that's... Like, I sort of agree with it, but he was terrible the other night. He was he was bad in that semi-final, so hopefully the Leeds boys can find some form, because they've, they've definitely been the form side all year. It just shows you how hard it is to maintain your form throughout the season, because England's a lot longer than ours. Well, like they played 30 games plus Challenge Cup, then the semi-final, now Grand Final, so it's 32 games in Super League season, throwing on top of that the Challenge Cup, so
1: pretty heavy. Yeah, well, Zach Hardaker, the fullback, he won it. Uh, the other nominees were old Adam Cutherspin Custardson over there. He got a nomination, and Alex Wamsley. I think Alex
2: Alex Wamsley was the one that I thought might win it. Um, if it wasn't Hardaker, I couldn't see Custardson winning it. But yeah, now nah, he's um, Hardaker is probably a fair result based on his form throughout the season.
1: He's yeah. on a consistent basis. Good player. So there's your Super League wrap. but Grand Final there on Sunday, three AM. You can record that one on Fox, or get up in the morning and watch it. But there's a game of football for you, but. Like I said, grand final reviews done. Season over. Massive congratulations to the North Queensland Cowboys. Very deserving. Condolences to the Broncos. But a hell of a season for them to turn things around. Um, all our award winners, congratulations. We'll hit a few of them up on Twitter. But our teams of the year, uh, yeah, you can't fit everyone in. There was a lot of guys that had massive views, but I'm pretty happy with my boxhead. Yeah, I'm happy with mine. Yep. And the final thing, obviously, Jonathan Thurston, he doesn't need any credit from us. We're just a small little podcast, but... Um, outstanding season and a very deserved winner of our major award for the third year. He's our champion. Uh, I've almost bloody forgot the, the former winners. I think Daley Cherry Evans may have won our first year, twenty thirteen. Yeah, Cherry Evans won. Our first and year. last year, I think we had Sam Burgess maybe or Jared Hayne.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, I'd have to Burgess. have to listen back, but yeah, that, I think that, that, it was
2: Burgess because he he played so well during the
1: finals. He had a massive year, but Jonathan Thurston and the Cowboys. Congratulations! There you go. Grand final reviews. The fifth awards next week will be our last show for two thousand and fifteen. We'll have the full hog first through to sixteenth. The bottom uh, half will be sixteenth to ninth, and then the top eight we will do on finals elimination, not their finishing position. Full season review: what we thought of your team, what they done for the year, and a bit of a look into next year. But uh, yeah, that's the the final podcast for two thousand and fifteen. So. Listen in next week, we hope you enjoy this show, and we'll put some stuff up on the page for you to comment and give us your team of the year as well as some of these awards. But for now, uh, there is no rugby league for you to enjoy besides the what Super League. Super League. You got the Super League if you want to watch that one, but uh, if not, just enjoy your week in general. Bring it on! Give us more! Give us more! Where are you going? Where, whoa, 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 what's going on here?
0: Is that it? Is that it?